Hello and welcome to this, which I, wow, what is it now? Our fourth um, free webinar of the uh, 2020 Smart Building Series. Welcome everybody, glad you could join us. Uh, today we are talking about the essential do's and don'ts of working with real estate technology. So definitely in for an interesting session. And today we're joined by Lone Root Rooftop and specifically Marcel Lammers. Hello, Marcel. How are you doing? Hey, Jason. I'm doing great. Thank you. Good, good, good. So um, we've got a good presentation for you guys today. Um, Marcel's going to go through that with, with you now. Um, but first, a couple of things from me. Um, obviously, um, want to make this um, interactive. So if everyone um, does have questions, please type them in. What we'll probably do is take them at the end of the session um, when we've we've left plenty of time to you know have an open discussion. Um, so feel free to uh, to type those in um, to me now or whenever you want. Um, and then of course um, this is being uh, recorded and that will be made available. So um, you'll be sent an email uh, with a link to where you can find um, both the uh, both the slides we're going to show and also the recording. Um, so yeah, I think that's pretty much it for now. Um, Marcel, I'm very um, interested to hear um, what you've got to say. And actually, this has been one of our most um, most registered for uh, webinars. So uh, I'm, apparently, I'm not the only one. Mm -hmm. Well, wonderful. Um, yeah, and thanks everyone for uh, for joining. And good morning, or good afternoon, or good evening, depending on where you are. Um, so as James mentioned, my name is Marcel Lammers and I'm the founder of Lone Rooftop. And um, for those who don't know us, we provide occupancy analytics um, and we typically act as the occupancy analytics or spatialization component uh, within a smart building ecosystem or corporate real estate technology initiative. And uh, we've been around for nearly six years and have been involved in numerous smart building and corporate real estate tech uh, technology projects around the globe and we've gained relevant experience over the years and we see that the smart building market is rapidly evolving a lot of different vendors and solutions are available and uh, we've seen many organizations struggling with formalizing their technology initiative so we felt it made sense to share our knowledge and that's basically what we're doing today so the purpose of this webinar is to provide you with some tools that prevents you from getting lost in the growing smart building market um, I guess we don't really have to explain what a smart building is, considering the audience here, but um, um, just to make sure that everyone is on the same page, what we see with our clients is that a smart building or corporate real estate technology initiative is uh, typically occupant oriented and focused on employee experience and efficiency. Um, but now with COVID-19, there's obviously an urgent reason to focus on safety and health of employees when going back to the office. And a smart building or tech initiative should contribute to such changes. And that's also what a smart building is about. It's organic and should adapt to the situation and the changing goals caused by external and internal uh, factors. So... When looking at a smart building, we typically see that it is an ecosystem consisting out of multiple solutions and uh, with a very strong technology and data-driven characteristic. And uh, what we see is that 
we've identified four categories that we typically see with our clients. So the first one is hardware, um, building IoT devices that capture data, such as sensors. Um, the second component is the data analytics, which is the software and processes all the data that comes from all these sensors. Um, and then also in the software category is workplace mobile applications or end user applications. Um, and one of the characteristics of a smart building is connectivity. We see that all these systems have to work together in order to provide the right output that are essential to the success of your initiative. Um, so moving on to the drivers for a smart building, um, we typically see that sustainability, efficiency, and employee engagement uh, are the main drivers. So organizations focusing on reducing footprint and waste, um, efficiency when it comes to space and user efficiency, as well as cost efficient and operational efficient. Um, sometimes use cases around accommodating growth, sometimes use cases for uh, consolidating, uh, and then employee engagement improving productivity and satisfaction but i guess that currently COVID 19 can also be considered a new driver uh, and will create use cases for uh, for data and smart building initiatives and uh, please let us know how you think about this if you know if the role what the role of smart buildings can be in these COVID 19 times as james mentioned you can leave some comments in the chat and we will look at it afterwards um, but please let us know what you think here as well So, as I mentioned, the smart building market is growing and I've used one of the memory images here to illustrate that, but this is one visualization where uh, the top five segments by number of startups are presented. And you already see that there are a lot of vendors and partners um, uh, active in this market. And so it's a complex landscape because these, all these different vendors have a different solutions and different approaches to the same use cases and problems and it's easy to get lost in this entire environment now we also see that not only the external landscape is complex but also the internal landscape can be uh, complex which is the organization that you're working at what we see is that there are many different use cases across all levels of organization and um, sometimes it can be tough to identify all these and make sure that your smart building initiative actually matches with the use cases across your entire uh, organization. Um, one of the things that we, for example, see is that uh, um, corporate real estate is not always wor used to working together with IT, for example. And this can lead to multiple initiatives within an organization, and they might exist without the other departments knowing of their existence. And sometimes they overlap, sometimes uh, there are different use cases, sometimes they even conflict. So the goal of today, once more, is to provide you with some tools that can help you avoid getting lost in the smart building market and to assure that the initiative contributes to achieving the goals of your organization across all layers and departments. Um, so we will go through six steps that will help you organize and get you ready for approaching the market and succeeding in your initiatives. And the first step is the goals. So it's, it helps to have clear company goals and translate them to all levels of the organization. So I have an example here of one of our own corporate clients um, and their vision and mission is focused on sustainability. 
and they are involved in, in many real estate and construction projects. And they feel like they have to be a role model to their clients and for the general public. So on a strategic level, um, they applied a workplace strategy where they were moving from assigned seating to unassigned seating to increase the productivity and efficiency. And they made it tangible and, and measurable um, and expressed it as of moving from 22 square meters per employee to 14 meters per employee uh, in 24 months. And this should reduce footprint, save cost, et cetera. And on an operational level, um, this meant that they had to increase utilization up until 90% whilst improving the employee experience. So this was a great way for us to interact with, with the client because they helped us understand their goals on a strategic and operational level and how it, how it fits with their, with their vision. So now the same client, we help them with a re-entry strategy based on, uh, on data. Um, reviewing wave scenarios and density reports, et cetera, for social distancing office usage. And on a strategic level, their, their goal uh, remains quite the same, but they have now expressed it in a way where they say social distancing office is what we will work towards to, but we still want it to be a flexible workspace. Um, and on an operational level, um, they focus on maintaining safe density across all the neighborhoods and implement a way of working that includes like an alerting system that people embrace and understand uh, and provide smart cleaning uh, solutions, et cetera. Um, so also here, please let us know what goals your organization has for these COVID-19 times. It's, I guess it's interesting in these times to share the knowledge and, and um, the ideas that everyone has so we can all work together on uh, um, creating a, a solution that fits for, for many organizations. So once you have your goals defined, um, you're gonna look at the product team. So what we see is that uh, we both see either one person leading a smart building program or a group of stakeholders. But one thing that we see everywhere with our clients is that multiple disciplines are involved and should be involved when you want to succeed your initiative. Um, as a, because a smart building touches many levels of your organization and when done correctly, it can serve use cases within many disciplines of your company. So typically who we see involved is corporate real estate and workplace strategy, portfolio management, facilities management. Then also we see IT, um, network architecture and uh, security. Um, we highly recommend to uh, have a project manager on board. Uh, ideally, this is an IT business partner bridging the gap between corporate real estate and uh, uh, IT. And uh, I guess I can share an example here of one of our clients in the Netherlands who did not have a project manager defined. And this led to the situation that the IT planning was not reserving any time for the implementation of the new technologies, which in turn delayed the rollout and the implementation. And this eventually jeopardized the entire initiative. Um, and we have seen many of these examples. So having a, pro a project manager in place is really beneficial to the initiative. Um, and also who we see that are involved is HR. And I guess now it's even more relevant due to COVID-19 um, because it is about the safety and well-being of your human resources. So those are the, the stakeholders that we typically see involved in, in these initiatives. And um, what we have learned over all those projects that we have done is that it makes sense to keep the following stakeholders in the loop, which are uh, the legal department, privacy, 
procurement and your senior leadership because you will need them sooner or later in the process and making sure that they are aware of the developments on your side and also to understand what's important for them increases your chance of getting the required approvals in later stages. So we recommend uh, you to keep them in the loop. And then um, the last category is the users. Uh, who will be the users of the data analytics and the applications that you will introduce to your organization? And by understanding who the users are, um, it will allow you to proactively engage with them and understand what's important to them as well. And this is great fuel for the partner that you will select later on in the process. So then once you have formed your smart building or corporate real estate technology uh, project team, you can point out who will be responsible for gathering the use cases within each discipline involved. So the key message here is that we have seen that it is of vital importance to have your use cases clear as it will guide you throughout the entire program and basically act as a focus point. So we've seen that when use cases are not defined, there is a big chance that you will be talking about technology and solutions and features when searching for a partner. And the risk here is that the solution will eventually match the success criteria in terms of features, but might fail in achieving your use cases and goals, which eventually defines the success of your program. So when defining these use cases, where to start? Well, um, start with today's existing challenges because they are easy to find um, because that's where it hurts today. And your initiative is there to relieve the pain. Uh, also think about the future use cases and constantly relate them to the goals that you have defined in step one. And we've seen that the most successful initiatives are those contributing to achieving the larger goals. Um, and I guess another important reason for defining your use cases is that it helps you communicate across different disciplines. So once you have gathered the use cases, bring them back to the entire team and align with your team on, on these use cases. As mentioned earlier, sometimes IT can have different use cases than corporate real estate or the other way around. Uh, sometimes they conflict, sometimes they cannot even be realized due to privacy regulations. And, and these are all risks that can delay and jeopardize the initiative. But by reviewing all the use cases with the entire team, you will be able to identify these things and deal with it at that point instead of later in the process. Um, and I guess I have a good example here as well. Uh, with one of our clients, the, we saw that the workplace strategies team needed utilization data from meeting rooms. And technical services team was asked to prepare the meeting rooms for such sensors. And the assumption was made that all meeting rooms needed cable power connection points right above the door. Uh, and this was based on the knowledge that they had on the available technologies. Yet, when looking into the use cases, the, the real use case of workplace strategies uh, required a different type of solution that actually needed a connection point in the center of the room. So there, this is an example of where a lot of waste of effort and cost uh, was produced since the connection points were already delivered above the door. And by talking about the use cases and align with everyone in the team, you can prevent these things from happening. So use cases, have them clear. This will be your guidance throughout the entire process.
so once you have gathered your use cases, um, you can start clustering them. Now, this is a relevant exercise because it will define your main themes in your initiative. And this will help you with understanding where you should look in the market. So when you look at all the use cases, you will probably see that some relate to each other. And these can be clustered. And typically, we see that one or two categories have the most use cases. Um, and these will form the main themes of your initiative. And here, I, I also have an example of what we encountered with one of our clients. Um, they, they approached the market with a room use and booking project, and they had a hard time finding the right partner. And we got in touch with them, and when we reviewed their use cases, 80% uh, of their use cases were spatialization related. So initially, this client spoke to many vendors focused on room booking, not capable of solving spatialization use cases. Uh, and once again, an example of, of why these use cases can really help you and guide you in this process um, and can prevent you from a lot of wasted time uh, and eventually being disappointed because you cannot find a match in the, in the market. Um, so once you have clustered the use cases, then you prioritize them and you can use the goals that you've defined in step one to uh, prior prioritize here. Uh, and also the prioritization helps you to communicate on what is most important to your organization when, when talking to potential partners. Um, and then also when approaching the market here, you can assign the team members who will be responsible or should be involved when reaching out to the market for a specific set of use cases. So, now you are ready to approach the market uh, and have efficient uh, conversations with the potential partners. Um, so when you reach out to them, share with the companies um, uh, that you have, uh, share, share the goals that your company has and which of the use cases that you've defined are essential to achieving success eventually. And it is very likely that uh, the companies that you approach are not capable of serving all your use cases but since you have prioritized them, you should be able to identify those vendors that tick most boxes and discuss with them how they would fill in the other use cases that they cannot solve immediately. Um, so many of the players out there have already worked together with others. Uh, they have existing integrations and partnerships, um, and they can help you get to the point where you can serve most of your cases there. Um, also here you can identify whether the potential partner really understands your use cases, which is important for achieving success. So talk about these use cases with them, rather than talking about just the features that the partner is capable of delivering. Um, and I guess some companies in the field, they have great technological solutions, but they can still struggle with achieving uh, success since there is a limited understanding of the real world challenges that you're trying to solve. So talking about these use cases, uh, once again, helps you filter and um, identify whether the partner really is a good fit for, uh, for your organization. Uh, what we've seen personally is that when we talk about use cases, the fit with our client is way better as when we're, uh, because we're then talking the same language. So we've seen that having a good fit with the team contributes to, to achieving success. Uh, this might sound as an open door, but it's, um, in this stage, it's really important to understand whether your team and the partner have a good fit and are talking about the same things. 
Um, also ask the potential partner how they will serve your use cases and if they can provide examples of how they did this with their other clients. The more proof to have, you have the, the less risk, obviously, that uh, you will not achieve your uh, success. And um, also look for existing integrations for solutions needed for the rest of your use cases. Uh, because the existing integrations, they reduce the risk um, and project efforts in realizing the program, um, since most of the work has already been done. And then I guess last but not least, um, is the potential partner enterprise ready? So some, and especially the younger vendors, they have great technologies, um, but, but cannot always match the policies in your organization. And uh, we've seen this lead to disappointment and uh, once again, a lot of wasted time and effort um, when this is not taken into account in, in early stages. So um, yeah, we would recommend to be aware of these things as well. Keep that in mind. So once you have put a few potential partners on the shortlist, um, then discuss with them what the fastest way to achieving success is by creating milestones that can be measured. Um, using the SMART principle, you'll be able to set goals that leave little room for misinterpretation. Um, so at least as they are measurable. And I guess an example of a, a SMART goal would be identifying the top three underutilized neighborhoods every month, and after three months, act upon the neighborhoods that are chronically underutilized, for example, or um, identify which two conference rooms are least popular and least utilized based on you know, 60 days of data and kick off the investigation in how to improve them. Those are very tangible uh, goals, very measurable as well, and um, it leaves little room for misinterpretation. Uh, when defining the milestones, uh, we always aim for achieving short-term wins first uh, because it allows you to create momentum immediately and uh, the initiative is delivering value right away. Uh, also, we, um, what we see that can really help minimize the risk um, in the rest of the project is to use the milestones as a validation for the steps ahead. So for example, uh, if it's clear that your smart building program needs to integrate occupancy analytics data with a room booking system and an employee engagement app, then first validate that the occupancy analytics solution is actually capable of delivering on the milestones before you make integrations with the other systems. Because figuring out later can be a waste of cost and time and also affect the uh, employee engagement app and room booking system in a negative way. So use the milestones as a validation point uh, that deliver value and minimize risk. And I think the, um, also here to, it's important to involve the users in achieving uh, their goals because by understanding what's important for them and understanding how the partner can help them achieve their goals, uh, it allows you to uh, create milestones uh, on every level of your organization. And then also here, it, uh, it helps to have a clear understanding of what is needed to fit the solution into the existing processes. So one of the examples that I can give here is that one of our clients, or actually multiple of our clients, uh, we're used to working with batch data for their spatialization. And uh, once they, once they receive data in real time and 24 seven and on a very granular level, their whole process was not designed to incorporate those type of data for decision-making. 
so this delayed the, the 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 program and it took a little longer to achieve the success but by by recognizing this in an early stage uh, you and your partner can um, um, identify where this where, uh, where these possible bottlenecks may occur and uh, come to a solution which you can prepare before the solution is even uh, introduced to your organization so having a clear understanding of what's needed to fit the solution into the existing processes can uh, also help you achieve your success faster. And I think a few things to keep in mind, what we've seen coming by almost in every uh, of the projects that we were involved in is to always have some sense of the business case. Um, sooner or later, when you need some approval, some, someone will ask you what the business case is. At least we see this at most of the projects that we are involved in. So during the entire program to have a sense of the business case uh, makes sense. And it's good to be prepared when these questions come. The same for the, the costs and the return on investment um, that are made for, for this uh, project. It helps to already have some understanding of the, the cost related, the total cost of ownership and uh, what the return on the investment is. So you can answer these questions when someone will ask you about them. Uh, being aware of the compliancy, the privacy and reputational risks is something that um, we've seen makes a lot of sense to be uh, uh, aware of. Um, once again, sooner or later, especially when senior leadership is involved, uh, you will get questions about these, these things as well. So being prepared here helps you to, to uh, move forward as smoothly as possible. Um, being aware of the um, possibilities for integrating with the existing technologies that you already have is, makes a lot of sense in most, uh, most of the cases that we have seen as well. Um, and then, since the market is moving so rapidly and new initiatives and new solutions are presented uh, to all of us um, on a, you know following each other really quickly in the market it makes sense to look for a solution that is future proof you don't want to make a decision on a, a, a solution which can be outdated uh, next year already so i'll ask your partner like how they look at being future proof and is it easy to uh, expand or connect different modules in the future. Um, these are things to take into account as well when looking at the uh, entire smart building initiative. And I think the last one is, will it scale? Um, we've seen a few times that uh, when the initiative is started, you focus on the headquarters, for example, where you can experiment with a lot of things and eventually half of the project uh, um, is not really scalable, which leads to um, interesting insights maybe but not a solution that you can scale across your entire portfolio so keeping in mind um, if the things that you're that, that you're uh, uh, experimenting with or that you are discussing with your partner uh, whether it will scale or not makes a lot of sense um, something to keep in mind so we went through the six steps and um, to summarize it, basically it starts with defining the goals, have a clear goal, uh, cl a clear view on the strategic and operational goals. Who will be responsible for achieving those goals and who will form the project team? Uh, have your use cases defined, cluster them and define a theme uh, which will help you approach the market with a very specific 
set of use cases. Uh, select your, your partners and um, um, have smart milestones in place that can also act as a validation for the steps ahead. Hopefully this provides you with a tool to um, avoid getting lost in the smart building market. Um, and I guess we've reached the questions and answers part. Nice, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've got some questions come in. Um, you can use the, I think people are using the chat for that, but you can also, there's a Q&A function as well. So either or, whatever, however people want to do it. Um, and something I forgot to mention earlier as well, we've um, put together a little article based on um, this webinar. So um, we'll make sure that's available um, to download as like an, an additional thing. Um, we'll put that on the website. So um, if you want like a good summary of what we've talked about here, then uh, then you can get that. Um, yeah, thanks, Marcel. Very interesting stuff. Very interesting. Um, what did I pick out of that? I think it was interesting to see um, that slide where you talked about certainly themes for initiatives. Like um, I think, you know, how I guess people have an idea of what their goals are, and but maybe they've not quite define that how other people might define it or the the you know the, they think they want one thing but actually they want something else is that something you've come across a few times yeah actually we've come across this uh, many times and i guess that's also because um the smart building on itself is not really defined yet and it, there mm -hmm. are so many different approaches to uh, the same use cases that Labeling them is still quite hard for some organizations as it's still new to everyone. So um, it's not it's not weird that that you know not everyone is speaking the same language here. But that's why it really helps to uh, formalize these use cases and and define a team um, that should resonate to the companies that you reach out to in the market. Mm, yeah, no, that's that's that is a, a good point. Um, I mean, it, other people have said to me before they have clients sort of come to them and just say we want a smart building, but um, they haven't sort of thought much beyond much beyond that. Um, exactly. <laughs> yeah. The, the other thing that I pulled out, which um, it was where you were talking about um, the business case. And I thought that was, that was a really interesting slide. Um, and one of the questions there was sort of, is it future proof? I mean, that, that I think I, I just sort of that, that, that popped out in my in my uh, vision anyway is, is that um a question i mean how would you how would you tackle that question how when when people yes. ask you so the way we tackle the question is uh, we've always designed our platform in such way that it can integrate easily with other solutions um which which creates some flexibility and um, uh, I think this has always been one of the strong, uh, you know, items of our proposition. Um, and this allows also for new technologies coming in, for example, new type of sensor, new type of data source, which can be integrated and uh, all the applications that, that run on our platform or use data from our platform uh can benefit from that one integration immediately so that that's at least the way we have been approaching being future proof from from our uh product perspective um mm -hmm. so that okay. that's yeah good well enough of my uh thoughts anyway we're getting plenty of questions so let's tackle um questions from the audience 
Um, there's sort of a mix of questions and comments. Um, comments, I'll just leave for the chat. Um, and let's just maybe just start with the questions anyway. And if there's some comments that people want read out, maybe they can uh, they can uh, um, make that make that aware for me. Uh, so first one here: um, Which applications of smart building software do you think will be useful to prevent COVID nineteen spreading in the workplace? Yeah. I guess you guys have been spending some time thinking about that recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, we have. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so the first one I would mention here is obviously data on how the workplace is being used. And then I'm talking about occupancy data, I'm talking about uh, the position of people inside the building and anything that relates to how people are using the workspace um, can be helpful in many different ways. So one form is to report to management to identify which of the zones uh, are highly utilized and can potentially be a risk for the safety of the employees. Um, but also using real-time data to inform people that they are entering uh, a neighborhood with a high utilization, which is you know, potentially a risk for their safety as well. Um, so that would be one component of a smart building that I can uh, definitely imagine being relevant in these times. Um, and then other than that, I guess every type of application that can communicate with the end users and, and the, the office users, um, ideally in real time. So by providing the information uh, on like how, uh, how utilized the zone is, or at least like, is this a safe zone to go to, or is it a red zone? Should I not go there? Or just get an alert when you're in an area with too many people, like all those forms of communication and the applications that support such communication can uh, be very helpful in these times as well. So employee engagement apps, for example. Yes, I think that the sort of dissemination of information might be very useful, right? For example, uh, I guess it depends how big your organization is, but maybe you've been in a meeting the day before and then somebody show symptoms the day after then at least you can be made aware of that um, and i know they're going to be you know a lot of tech companies are working on these kind of contact tracing apps anyway but it might be useful to have them within yep. the organization as well yep. um, yeah can see sorry go on oh yeah sorry so so thanks for asking this question i don't know who it was but thanks for asking the question if um we're open to share thoughts on this topic so for everyone mm. who, who wants to mm. Um, you know, get some of our thoughts. Uh, we're open to discuss these. Mm. Yeah, same here. I mean, we've been writing about it as well. We've seen some, um, also some interesting use of video software. I think there's a lot of been a lot of talk about using video and well, thermal cameras anyway to uh, measure temperature, people's temperature. Um, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and I sort of it's some. It's a bit of a mix at the moment. I think. I think. And again, you sort of say, well, how, how useful is temperature? Because it, it is an indication of uh, a fever, but it's not potent potentially doesn't have to be an indication of a virus, but also a lot of the times people are asymptomatic anyway. Um, but I think it can, it could be useful. People, I think, are going to use it um, as part of a, of a wider process as well. So maybe it's sort of a first step for um, identifying people who may be symptomatic. Um, so yeah, no, there's a lot of uh, use of software 
um, out there for, for this kind of stuff. It'd be very interesting to see how it, it um, progresses. Scrolling through the questions here, another one. Um, this is interesting for you, Marcel. Um, when you define your data model, do you start from BIM, uh, building information modeling, uh, RevEd, AutoCAD? Um, any thoughts on that? There's a follow up here as well. So, when we define the data model for mm -hmm. a specific client, that is? Yes, I think that's the yeah. question. Yeah, so it depends on what is available. Um, but obviously, the source that has most information available in relation to what you want to achieve is, is relevant to, to look at. Um, but it, it can also be like a, uh, just a simple export from one of those systems, which can be integrated into our platform. And uh, we can start computing based on that already, um, since we also integrate with, with the sources that are um, uh, in the, available in the building, such as the Wi-Fi or any sensors that are available. So it doesn't necessarily have to be starting from the, the BIM, as long as there is like a floor plan to give some context to the building and some information regarding the capacities of, uh, of your building. Um, but there can, be, there can be several starting points. Mm -hmm. Good. Uh, one question here, I guess this might be more for me, but maybe Marcel, you've got an idea of this as well. Is there a list of intelligent buildings partners by region? Um, we did a report recently on, and again, it depends what kind of software intelligence you're looking for, but for example, occupancy analytics, we did a report on that. You can find that on our website. Uh, beyond that, um, I guess it really, um, you can certainly find um, a list of suppliers, partners out there, but it might require a fair bit of um, research. But yeah, um, any thoughts on that, Marcel? How, how would, for example, if you were a, a customer or end user, how would you sort of, how would you do your first um, first selection process of, of vendors? Would you, is that generally, did people do that online? Yeah, so, um, I mean, when someone asks us if there is a list available of smart building uh, technologies, then my answer <laughs> You say no, be... we're the only one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. And then my second answer would be, I'd have to ask James of memory, because oh, obviously oh, you do the research. Yeah. Um, but uh, I guess the way we approach it is we, we have a good understanding of what's happening in the market. And obviously we have partners that we collaborate with. So um, once again, there we would challenge the, um, uh, the person asking the question, what their use cases are. And from there we can identify, you know, which segment of the market they should uh, uh, reach out to. And uh, obviously we hope that that's at least the segment that we are in positioned as well. <laughs> um, but it's, it starts with the use cases again, and it allows you to um, you know, uh, be more specific when searching for the right uh, solutions. And I think the, the risk with looking for smart building solutions in general is what we discussed in the previous question or one of the previous points, that it's such a wide concept and it can behold many different things. So uh, these lists might not provide you with the information that you're looking for. Mm. If yep. that makes sense. Yeah.
So um, we'll try and get through all these questions. Sorry, guys, if um, you're waiting to hear your question answered, but we've got had quite a few come in. Um, so we'll just, I'll get through them as quickly as I can. Uh, one here, um, again, I think for you, Marcel. Uh, are you using the concept of a digital twin um, example to be able to make simulations, etc.? Um, not necessarily simulations, but we do use the data for uh, like recommendations and also to um, uh, basically uh, do some sort of forecast on what we think that will happen in the upcoming days or upcoming weeks. Um, so that is that's at least what we use it for. Um, not really familiar, completely familiar with the digital twin, but it's an mm -hmm. interesting concept. I would have to check with our, our team. But mm -hmm. what I do know is that we will uh, use data to basically do a prediction on what we think that will happen in the near future. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. But it would be interesting to to indeed add some variables that can then you know, to run a simulation, basically. It's not something we do actively, but interesting to think about that. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. Um, another question here. Uh, which parameters will you use in your business case? And how do you deal with parameters which are hard to measure, e.g. Uh, productivity, for example? Yeah, good one. So uh, parameters that we look at, um, I mean, the easier ones are related to costs or you know, financial benefits. Um, so for example, when decommissioning a building, it's, it's, uh, you can create some good understanding of what the financial benefit of that will be. So that is, uh, that's the easier one to, to make. Um, when it comes to productivity, they are way more complex to measure. Um, and we haven't really come across a good way of doing that yet. But by looking at indicators of um, not being productive or, for example, complaints or uh, identifying bottlenecks in, within the building or within the, uh, you know, the employee journey throughout the day. And by focusing on, on uh, by highlighting them and focusing on eliminating those, um, you can make some assumptions on, you know, the increase of productivity in something such as um, employee satisfaction can be can be measured throughout surveys etc and that's something that you can then add into such case to um, um, to basically express how you will be measuring these things um, so that's at least one way of looking at it um, and yeah it really depends on on obviously on the on the actual business case on the use cases um, but anything that's measurable and easy to understand uh, and makes sense is, is what we try to implement there. And obviously cost and financial benefits being the easiest one to understand. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 That's a good place to start. Um, and I'm sure actually when things do get implemented and you're collecting the data, then, um, that then does perhaps provide more insight and perhaps more, um, you know, gives people a, a broader view of what's happening in their buildings and offices and perhaps things come definitely. out of that as well. Mm. Definitely. Sometimes the case, the, the starting case actually is creating insights without having more use cases behind them, but just the fact that there are, you know, limited insights available at this point in time creates the use case or even the business case of 
creating insights first and from there on expand into rolling out different use cases. But um, yeah, so, and that helps defining a better business case um, once the data is gathered. Here is an interesting question. Uh, it's kind of COVID related. Um, I guess, again, it's for you, Marcel. Um, what do you think the impacts of potentially enduring higher levels of remote work will be? Um, with high proportion of remote workers, say 10 to 20%, would it make more sense to go nearly universally unassigned? I assume that's sort of unassigning desks um, to manage density. What do you think? That's an interesting question. Uh, so what I see at least from, you know, uh, working from home in the past few weeks and, and talking with our clients who also all work from home, um, most of them are indeed quite positive um, because it allows you to, in some cases, to be more productive, et cetera, the benefit uh, for the environment and uh, also for the well-being of people. Um, so I think that's clear. And uh, most of our clients are thinking about how can we, you know, uh, once everyone can go back to the office, what do we actually want to ask from our employees? Do we, do we want them to be in the office all the time? So um, what the impact will be is obviously we have to, to see, but I, I can tell that from what I know from our clients is that they are thinking about how they can introduce working from home as a more prominent component in their workspace strategy. Um, which also means that the role of the office might change if this will be the case. Um, so I think there's still a lot to discover there, but uh, from my personal point of view, uh, it makes sense to uh, incorporate working from home on a more prominent level in workspace strategies. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Yeah, it'll be fascinating to see then how that, um, how this sort of evolved over the next few years. Definitely. Uh, sorry, just trying to get through as many questions as we can. I don't want to disappoint anyone, um, but I assume, uh, Marcel, I mean, if, if we don't get through questions, then um, we've got our email addresses up there. So um, if Absolutely. there was something, yeah. some burning question people needed answering, then they can reach out to you. Um, here's one. Um, in your opinion, what is the optimum size of building occupant number or building to occupant number that makes this approach economically viable? It's interesting. Have you seen, you know, through the data you've collected, have you seen like correlated, so, that correlated? Yeah. So I, I guess like one of our clients, which is the first thing that comes to mind now is, um, they actually achieved going from 22 square meters per employee to nearly 14 meters, uh, uh, 14 square meters per employee. Um, and uh, I, I cannot obviously share the exact numbers, but the, the, the financial benefit was, uh, was significant. Um, so, yeah, the ideal number, um, what works for this organization at least is like having 14 square meters per employee, but I guess that is going to change now because we're <laughs> what we were used to in the past five and a half years was helping organization either consolidate or accommodate growth, um, mm. which was focused on putting as many people within as limited amount of space as possible. Mm. Um, and now I, I, assume and i can already tell that the use case is shifting towards how can we you know what's the 
maximum amount of people that we can enter uh, have entered the office without uh, forming yeah. exactly yeah, yeah yeah so it 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 will change there i guess a lot of the insights that we've gathered in the past few years will be maybe a little bit less relevant now the the way that we will use the office is going to change mm-hmm. Yes, and we'll see, of course, like how long that period lasts for as well. It may not be, um, well, we don't know what the, what the future is going to be like, but I imagine that's the reality, going to be the reality for at least um, a few months. Yeah, I, I think uh, the same. Yeah, so another question. Um, with the volume of smart building technologies growing every day and the effects of Moore's law on IoT devices and sensors, how does one filter through all of the products and data to find the real value that applies to their core business? Mm, interesting. Good Any question. thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, then I go back to the use cases. Um, mm. So having those use cases clear allows you to at least understand what's important to you and your organization. Mm. And then presenting those use cases to you know, the rapidly evolving market with all the new vendors and technologies uh, available each day, um, present them the use cases and get a good understanding of how their technology is capable of delivering value based on on your use case. That at least helps you to navigate there um, a bit. Um, I guess that's one. And then another one is the partners that you already have or technologies that you're working with uh, understand how they adopt new technologies and all these new developments. Um, and um, um, ask them also to be proactive in sharing the latest um, things that they've come across to. And, um, uh, you know, I mean, usually your partners are, are working together with many different clients and they get to, you know, um, learn a lot from them and share best practices, etc. That could also be a great mechanism to filter out all the, uh, you know, the noise of the new developments in the market into something that can be uh, of value to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a very interesting com- um, question and sort of conversation, isn't it? But yeah, I think that's appropriate when you talk about, you know, going back to your use cases and goals, of course. Um, I mean, you have to set achievable and, um, you know, uh, goals at the start of the project to make sure you you um, find the value for your for your core business and and you know that can vary very much depending on what business you run but yeah exactly yeah um what else do we have here um one on do you see organizations investing in hardware, i.e. thermal cameras, which support COVID-19 use cases, but is unlikely to deliver more significant value in the long term? That is interesting. I mean, we've, I mean, anecdotally, I mean, I've seen reports of uh, thermal imaging camera companies uh, saying that they have seen a significant um, bump in uh, in demand for their products um and it's not just them i think it's uh, it's sort of across the board with things like perhaps cleaning i mean even sort of the potential for using uv light to kill or at least clean areas um 
whether you think that that will then not deliver value in the long term, I don't know. I mean, if it's obviously the difference between being able to ensure business continuity for the next six months a year um, to keep the business going, then it is still perhaps value in the long term. But yeah, interesting. Any thoughts on that, Marcel? Yeah, well, I think another interesting aspect um, in relation to this question is how do people actually feel about it? You know, now we might accept uh, having different types of sensor measure our body temperature and where we are in the building exactly and a lot of those type of things due mm -hmm. to the COVID-19 situation. But will it, you know, will we accept these things on the long run? And do all the regulations also allow us to, to do these things? I, I think that's mm -hmm. a topic that some organizations are thinking about um, and it's something that still has to be discovered. Mm. Um, yeah, but, uh, I agree. It's interesting, interesting to see how that develops. Yeah. Got time for, I think like three or four questions here as well. We'll definitely be able to get, hopefully get through these before, before we finish the hour session. Um, yeah, how can technology be utilized to ensure uh, social distancing within the office suite um, and they list occupancy sensors, video analytics, RFID, Bluetooth beacons, Wi-Fi. I've seen a couple of um, implementations of this kind of thing. Uh, one was actually video analytics. So I guess you can process that image to see um, how much space people need around them and then um, I guess they, they sound some alert um, uh, when uh, perhaps your space, when you're too close to somebody. Um, Marcel, is there um, something you've seen perhaps more from the occupancy sensing side? Um, yeah, so each of the mentioned technologies in the question uh, obviously delivers a different type of output and different type of, you know, different use cases can be served with the, these different technologies. Um, so going through all these and all my ideas there would be a very long answer to this uh, question, <laughs> but happy, happy to answer it uh, in a uh, session offline. Mm, but sure. um, uh, just for here though, it, it's, um, um, I guess it's, it's mainly about the output, like what is the type of output and the type of information that will be accepted by, by people? Um, so, you know, is it an alarm going off when someone, uh, invade somebody's safety zone or is it a notification on your mobile application or is it the screen that provides you with saying hey you have breached somebody's safety zone um and i i guess it's we're now in the in the phase where we have to start to understand and learn what will actually help people to uh you know make informed decisions themselves and um uh, from there, we will see which type of technology can uh, contribute to that in, in a good way. Mm. Yeah, no, that's a very good point, isn't it? Because I think um, everybody is aware um, of the situation. And I think a lot of people are already capable of making decisions, but perhaps they need a little bit more data to be able to make those decisions or to make a better decision. I mean, for example, one thing I saw was where they were just showing um on a very basic map um what the kind of roughly what the what the occupancy was on each floor and then coloring it you know red for sort of there were quite a lot of people um 
and then orange, let's say for less people. So just then, if you have that information, allowing somebody to make a decision about which floor they go to if um, they're looking for a desk to work from. Yeah, and definitely. And I can, I can also answer like from our own experience, um, for example, with the data that we gather, uh, which is occupancy analytics data. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it, it's we're capable of identifying which zones are, you know, dense density uh, with a high density. Um, so a high utilization basically, or at least too high for the COVID-19 standards. Mm -hmm. And, um, um, you know, that, that's something that you can do there already, uh, display it through different screens on before you enter a neighborhood, for example, whether it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it does it have a high density or low density is it within the safe zone or, or not. Um, mm -hmm. Some of those things can already be done with, um, with occupancy data. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So time for one final question. Um, do you have today um, already some references where you combine HVAC data with occupancy analytics? Is that something you guys have been looking at combining, you know, integrating systems or using your data to inform other other systems in the building? Uh, yeah, definitely. So we have been doing several um, uh, like projects where we were researching what, what's the extra value that, um, for example, the building management system or the HVAC can get from the data. Mm -hmm. uh, so there, there are some use cases that, uh, uh, that we can present. Um, and uh, yeah, it's one that makes a lot of sense, uh, especially when looking, you know, when you identify that a floor is empty, then why consume energy there? I guess that's you know mm. one of the low hanging fruits there, and it's mm. uh, something that nowadays is easy to to realize. So definitely something that um, that that we're looking into as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Again, we've written quite extensively about that. Like I think it's obviously um, very useful to have that data when you're you know planning or, or looking at optimizing energy use, lighting. Etc. Lots of resources in the building. Yeah. Yeah. So great, yeah. Go on. Oh, oh yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I was about to say one of the great examples is when we saw in a building that um, uh, during lunch everyone goes to the restaurant. That's when mm. uh, for about one hour uh, switching off the climate system could actually help you save um, some of the uh, cost on the energy consumption. And then before everyone gets back to the floor, you switch it on again as if nothing happened. And, um, you know, those are those type of experiments that you can start doing once you combine mm -hmm. these two mm -hmm. types of data. Yeah, exactly. As you said, maybe experiment, see if it works, um, what kind of feedback you get from people. Yeah, yeah. interesting. Exactly. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, Marcel, that brings us sort of towards the end. Um, Say, so really appreciate you taking the time to present today. And I thought it was some interesting information. And I hope everyone out there had uh, um, you found it useful definitely got some some good questions so thank you Marcel thank you James and uh, thanks everyone for uh, attending the webinar yeah absolutely thank you everybody um, what else can we say oh yes of course we will be we have recorded this and uh, we'll be making that available probably tomorrow um, so you should all get a get an email um, with the link to that and uh, also yes we've written a uh, article um, and I'll make sure I post the link to that as well on the website so yeah just remains to say 
Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Uh, have a great evening. Bye-bye. Thanks, everyone.